0: Well, I hope you may well know this picture. I've spoken about it before. If you go into the Tretyakov Gallery, you have got to be pretty blind to miss it, (laughs) because it's there. It's one of these huge pictures uh, that's uh, uh, fairly near uh, the entrance as you go in. It's by um, Alexander Ivanov, I've always get my stresses wrong presentation of christ in the temple the presentation of christ to the people and john the baptist is shown and john the baptist by the way is not to be confused with the john who wrote john's gospel john the baptist is pointing to jesus and he is declaring here is the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world John is by the River Jordan, where he has been baptising. We see people in various states of undress. He has quite a thriving business. He's a bit of a celebrity. But John declares that the main reason that he is baptising is so that at the right time, Jesus, the Son of God, is revealed, that they will see Jesus. And one thing you can do if you get a little bit bored with what I'm saying is you can look through that passage that we've read the special, and just see how many times the word see or look comes because it's all about seeing. These are people who saw Jesus. John saw the Spirit descending on Jesus and he says this is him. It's, what, it's the culminating point of John's life. It's what his life has been leading up to and what his life is all about. He says, I came baptising with water for this reason, that he, Jesus, might be revealed to Israel. The baptism of John is a baptism of preparation. He baptises to prepare people to meet with the coming King, to meet with Jesus. If you are consciously Facing away from God. If you've chosen to live without God, in rebellion against God and God's laws and God's kingdom, if you've chosen to make your own desires God, or you've chosen to make some other thing Lord of your life, then it's going to be very hard to meet with Jesus when he comes. So John has called people back to God. He calls them to repent, to turn round. He challenges the people about their lifestyle, about their life choices, about the way they are behaving. He calls them to repentance. He calls them to baptism. He calls them to turn from facing away from God to facing towards God. What John is doing is getting those who come to him to relive the experience of the people of Israel who were slaves in Egypt, in the land of godlessness. They were led out of Egypt, out of that land, through the Red Sea, through the water, and they entered the promised land, the land of God. So now people come to John, and by going into the water, they choose to leave behind the land of slavery and enter into the land that God is giving them. And that will mean that when the Messiah, when the King, when Jesus is revealed, the people here will be ready to receive him. They will be looking for him, waiting for him, and longing for him. And this is about revelation. And John reveals three things about Jesus. Firstly, that he is the Lamb of God. He is the one who has come to take away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God. Strange name for Jesus. But it's a reference to Isaiah 53, when the prophet declares, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, So he did not open his mouth. And it goes on to say, he poured himself out, he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We are the sheep who have gone astray. He is the Lamb who's considered as one of us, even though he was without sin, who bore our sins who was slaughtered on the cross for us. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, has taken away the sins of the world. Because of his death, the barrier of sin that separated us from God has been removed. Because of his death, we are no longer under the law. People have always thought in our pride That if we're to earn God's love and blessing, then we have to deserve it. We have to earn it. We need to obey the law. We need to be good. The death of Jesus shows us that we do not need to earn God's love and blessing. We cannot earn God's love and blessing. We simply have to receive it as gift. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus reveals John is the one who gives the Spirit. He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one, John says, who baptises with the Holy Spirit. It's all very well deciding to live for God. It's all very well receiving God's forgiveness as a gift. But how are we to go on living for God when sin, when self-centeredness, pride and fear is so deeply rooted in our being? Well, Jesus is the one who gives us his spirit. And if we're prepared to ask God for his spirit and to receive his spirit, he will give us his spirit. It's a very simple illustration that I love using. Imagine that I am a few years younger, just, just one or two, and I want to play football. And I, by the way, I need to say this, we have been challenged by Mali Wozničanski Church down the road to a football match. So if there's anybody interested in joining a football joining the St Andrews football team, I'd love to hear from you. So maybe this shouldn't be myself. I would love somebody on our team to be able to play like Lionel Messi because then we would have it stitched up. (laughs) So I want to play like Lionel Messi. I go and I wear the same kit that he wears. I eat the same food that he eats. I follow his training programme. But sadly, when I get onto the football pitch, it does not make me play like Lionel Messi. But imagine if Lionel Messi could put his spirit in me. Imagine if now I had the spirit of Lionel Messi in me. Ah, that might make a difference. Well, we cannot put our spirit in another person, but Jesus can. He can put his spirit in us. If we're prepared to ask him to do so, and if we're prepared to receive his spirit... His Spirit can come and live in us. And for the Christian, that is the game changer. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the giver of the Spirit. Thirdly, Jesus is the Son of God. I myself, says John, have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. We're told in John's Gospel, in this John chapter 1, that he's always been the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, that's him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There never was a time when he was not the Son of God. John speaks of Jesus' time here, when he says, as he looks at Jesus, even though he was born in human time uh, before Jesus, jesus was actually before him at the heart of god there is mystery paul writes in timothy god alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see interesting in icons when you get that circle which often represents god right at the very heart of the circle There is darkness. Why is it saying God is dark? Far, far from it. No, it is saying that God is so beyond light, so beyond natural light, that we cannot portray it. But what is revealed? What is revealed at Jesus' baptism is that the very centre of God is an eternal relationship between Father and Son, In the other accounts of the baptism of Jesus, we're told that there was a voice that came from heaven. This is my beloved son, this is my my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. By the way, just something for you to think about. Matthew, Mark and Luke all tell us about the baptism of Jesus. John doesn't specifically. This is all that we have of John's about of John's baptism of Jesus. If you read this, you wouldn't automatically know that Jesus had been baptised. We know he's been baptised because of the other Gospels. But the key thing for John is that Jesus is revealed as the Son of God. But um, this relationship between father and son is a relationship of love and trust and obedience and honour and delight The father loves the son. He delights in the son. He wants the best for the son. He wants others to see how wonderful, how glorious the son is. And the son loves the father. He trusts that the father wants the best for him. He delights in the father, in the will of the father. And he wants others to see how amazing and wonderful the father is. But this is not the ultimate eternal clique. This is not a closed relationship with just father and son sort of uh, just sort of like, like, like a young couple who are sort of totally in love with each other, who have only got eyes for each other. Human beings were created not just to gaze in wonder at the relationship between father and son, but to become part of that relationship. And so John has already written that whoever receives the Son, whoever receives forgiveness that the Son gives, whoever receives the Holy Spirit is given the right to become a child of God, a son or daughter of God who lives in that same relationship that Jesus has to the Father. Today, as we remember how Jesus was revealed through John the Baptist, and his baptism, so we celebrate a baptism. Baptism is a gift and a sign. It's a gift and a sign which declares that as the water washes over our head, or in other traditions as you go down under the water, so he has washed us of our sins. It's a sign that we have been forgiven, that we've passed from the sphere of death to the sphere, of life from godless to god it's a gift and sign that we've received the holy spirit in our service we give a candle today we're giving a really big tall candle to each of the candidates um, which um, represents the holy spirit it represents the light of the spirit which is always shining and which guides us when everything is bright it is hard sometimes to see the lights of the candle but it's there when everything is going really well for us and you know we think we're in charge of everything and we're in control it's sometimes hard to see god but when everything is dark then it can be easier to see the light and we realize the light has been there all the time Holy Spirit is described as the wisdom of God that's rather relevant today because one of our candidates being baptized is Sophia the wisdom and the wisdom of God and the candle flame represents the purity of the Holy Spirit the purity of God if we allow him the Holy Spirit will burn up all that is not right in me he will purify me there's a story told of the Desert Fathers of a young monk who went to see Abba Arsenius. Abba, he asked, what must I do to become perfect? And Abba Arsenius held up his fingers in the sky and they became like flames. And he said, if you would become perfect, you must become all fire. And again, it's rather appropriate that one of our candidates, Seraphima, is being baptized today. Seraphima, actually, today is uh, uh, apparently the, the day in the Orthodox Church when Seraphim of Sarov, Sarov is celebrated. But Seraphim comes from, from the angels, but it means burning one. Our prayer is that one she will know and the purity of God. But baptism is also a gift and a sign of a new identity. It's about receiving Jesus and his forgiveness and Holy Spirit. And as we receive them, we receive a new identity. We receive the right to become a child of God, a daughter, a son of God. And so we anoint the child with oil and we declare that they now belong to God. And Inessa has a middle name, Chisholm. And Chisholm means, uh, Chisholm means God is with me. And that's what we do when we anoint. We say, yeah, God is with us. We are children of God. By the way, if you forget this sermon, just remember the names of our three candidates, because then you've got it, Sophia, the wisdom of God, Seraphima, the burning one. in uh, Chisholm, God is with us. Baptism is a gift. It is something that God does to us, it's a gift which God gives to you. Think of it like a gift of a hundred million rubles, which is paid into a bank account for you. Of course, you could ignore it if you wish. You could go around and say, I don't need 100 million rubles, I can earn that myself. Or you can go around boasting about it, saying, I've got 100 million rubles in the bank, you haven't, I have. But that is pointless. The money only becomes useful if you start to use it. If you've been baptised either as an adult or as a child then you have been given an astonishing gift, a gift that is of far more value than 100 million rubles. It was declared that because of Jesus' death on the cross, your sins were washed away, that you're forgiven because of him, that you don't need to try and make yourself worthy of him or try somehow to earn forgiveness because he loves you. it's a a sign that the door between heaven and earth, which was firmly shut, is now open. And it was declared that you now have the Holy Spirit, who, if we allow him to work in us, enables us to live as a child of God. He'll give us a new way of thinking, of seeing. He'll open the things of God to us. He'll change us. He will fill us, if we allow him, with his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those lovely fruits of the Spirit, And it was declared that you have a new identity, that you are a son or daughter of God. But for that to be a reality, it needs to be received by faith. It's not a question of when you were baptised or how much water you were baptised in, but whether you are living as a baptised person now. That you live as someone who puts their faith in the God who gave us baptism as a gift of his love. That you live as someone who has been forgiven because of the death of Jesus on the cross. That you live as someone who has received the Holy Spirit, who feeds the Spirit and is being led by the Spirit. That you live as someone who, whatever we are going through, can hold up our heads high and say yes, I am a son, I am a daughter of God.